Hello and welcome to the 361 Degrees podcast, early 2014, post-CES, pre-MWC. We've just finished season six, a bonus episode special. My name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Inter Review. And I'm Rafe Blanford from the All About Sites. Hello, gentlemen. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? There you um, go. Well done. So, uh, do you remember season six? Gosh, it seems like such a long time ago. Just last week, all this was fields, and season six was still bubbling fresh. But and this is your bonus. And so, bonus episode. So, we thought it would Bang be nice table, to do a special bonus episode, just to keep yeah. you tidied over before mm. season seven comes along. When does this go out, by the way? This, this will go out just before Mobile World Congress. Oh, right. And um, so, a surprise. is this a surprise? We're going to tell anyone about well, it. Well, we'll we'll announce it on the internet. But presumably, if the listeners are listening to this, they will have already found out when it went out. Fair point. Yeah, I see. Well, unless you get it sent to you, because a lot of people use podcatchers, and it comes down to your device. They do. they do. So hopefully, hopefully, you will enjoy this and be grateful for a a little mini episode uh, just before MWC, because we thought we hadn't had the opportunity to talk about Mobile World Congress in yes. in season six, right. and it's coming, and it is the thing that that keeps us all energized until the next year. Yes, kind of. Although it tends to be that and the Rioja, that and Spanish wine. Yes, yes, yes. Spanish wine. And uh, and the and the, vari- the various cured meats as well. Yeah. So we thought we'd have a bit of a chat and do a special bonus episode. Mm. So but here we, we are. We're not just doing NWC though. We're going to pick up some CES. Okay. So C- CES has just happened. Yes. And although CES was full of internet fridges and um, scooters Ovens. and helicopters, bendy TVs and helicopters and cars that drive themselves, mm. all jolly nice, but not as exciting as mobile, we'll right. probably just pick out the mobile stuff because it's a bit of a clue as to what might be coming in Mobile World Congress in yes. Barcelona. Or, or it's also a clue about what won't be in some cases as well because the manufacturers all play this kind of delicate game, don't they, yeah. about when to launch stuff. So let's have a quick look back at yes. CES first. So... Uh, well, one of, one of the themes we did pick out was wearables, and we can quickly knock that one on the head, right? Because we we have been talking about wearables. We have talked wearables to death, but yes. there was a ton of wearable stuff at CES. Yeah. Loads of people have launched things. There's existing brands, Fitbit, notably uh, launching the Flex, I think it is. Have they got that already? No, there's a new one, Fitbit Ultra, sorry, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Is, is coming out. That was announced in CES. There's um, a whole bunch of new uh, wearables and... Um, also, one, uh, also some coming from established brands that are moving yes. sideways into yeah. it as well. It does um, feel like there's a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. We've got LG doing their kind of wristband Sony's activity tra- tracker. And there are some companies who I couldn't begin to imagine why we're announcing yeah. uh, things like this. I mean, I, I still think it's the specialist companies you go to and you get kind of the best yeah. things. And mm. Fitbit seem to be doing a, a great job mm. in here. But we did mention the LG heart rate tracking headphones last time around. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And the, um, the, the pebble steel. Mm. Um, it's going to be a theme that we will see again at MWC and throughout the rest of 2014, but it does require a certain amount of... It needs to get better. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard to escape that conclusion. Yeah, it's not there yet, is it? Uh, but the thing that's going to be powering a lot of this is the Bluetooth low energy, which gets talked about very little, but it's actually a really great technology when it works because Bluetooth uses quite a bit of power. And what Bluetooth low energy means is that you'll have accessories that will last on a single battery for five or six months. And given that we complain so often about batteries, I think it's just worth mentioning is that. It that really is it five or six months? It, it is five or six months. I've used a couple of accessories where it, it, it does work. Right. The problem comes when you then try and do other things so most of the activity trackers will be running accelerometers or some other chipset within it fitbit force 
bit, bit forced, which is actually the flex, but with kind of a watch oh. yep. uh, element on and, it. And, nice and, idea. And also, although we won't talk about it, MetaWatch, uh, which is a new brand, apparently designed by a man from Virtu. And Qualcomm took $50 off their their TOC, kind of their concept smartwatch. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more reductions on smartwatches as they try and shift excess inventory Mm. later in the year. All right, look, that's one thing. Uh, T-Mobile have been hitting the headlines. T-Mobile USA. I like their CEO. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I don't think I'd like to be in the same room as him or work for him or or, or, or be his competitor. But from a a safe distance, I'm a bit secretly impressed by him. Yeah, and this is what they've needed, right? T-Mobile have been languishing for quite a while. Well, isn't this what all mobile operators need? I mean... Should be doing, yes. um, For example, the one time I've actually been impressed with EE in the UK was I listened to Olaf Swante. Um, talk and to sort of see a man with some vision and passion and to talk about what he wanted to Someone achieve. Cares. Yeah, that was really, you know, that didn't really match what I knew of the brand mm. like on the high street in terms of when you actually go to be his customer. So, I mean, whether he can deliver or not is a different matter, but it's really good to see CEOs who can actually deliver. Stories are important, right? Like, and we so, don't want, well, oh, and the next quarter's dividend is likely to be exactly. quite clear. And so, well, well, recap the story for anyone who's not aware. Right. So, um, recently, T Mobile has been doing uh, some very on carrier related things. For example, they're scrapping the standard contract. Uh, subsidy model, um, they have made it uh, possible for you to uh, go abroad, roam for free, which is a big deal if you're an American. And expensive. Well, it's, 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 it's normally incredibly expensive, but if you use T-Mobile, it's completely free. Um, it's free roaming uh, on Wi-Fi for your tablets uh, from T-Mobile. And so there's really, really good good things they've been doing. But um, they blew everybody away this time with a swap to T-Mobile offer. Now, in the States, a lot of people have family deals so you've got your your phone uh your personal phone and then you might have your your wife or your partner and then you might have some children um on your plan and it's actually quite easy it's this the the u.s uh, they've really encouraged this kind of um uh viewpoint we've not done so much of that here in the uk have we they don't really sell family plan style things in the uk do they blanford <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? No, Rafe, Rafe was busy, rapidly, desperately, desperately googling some fact. I could see <laughs> right. Okay. Sorry. So we're talking here, Blanford. Forget about him. Right. You and I. Look at me. There look no, me in the eyes. There, right, there, there are no family plans in the UK. In, very much. But in the states, very popular, very fast. And, well, you and can get them. They just don't seem to be as dominant here. No, no. But and they've really been. You know, add this line for free or a free line. Get the. No, but that means it's incredibly difficult for you to actually swap your family. And actually, sometimes it's really impossible. Sometimes over oh. Christmas, I really wanted to swap my family. <laughs> it's sometimes rather impossible for you as the, the owner of the family line to say, oh, I'm going to move to AT&T or I'm going to move to T-Mobile because you've got different contracts or you've got this massive family plan. It's a bit of an arse and it's very costly because you have to break your contracts, right? You can't just... Uh, chop and change and there are massive massive early termination fees and remember america is the land of the iphone is free when it's not free you know um and they, they actually marketed this it should be illegal market it as free but you got to buy a two month a two-year contract they actually see it's free they compare it as free anyway so what, what exactly are they going to do then? what team i've done is said um bring your family to us, no, sorry, I stop smiling. I just think <laughs> you can swap them for a right. <laughs> Bring my your family plan. To, you bring bring all your family devices, basically, or your contracts to us, and we will give you three hundred fifty dollars credit per line. Um, 
basically you do have to uh, bring your phone and you have yeah. to kind of um, uh, uh, trade in your handset so that's how T-Mobile can at least make some money back from right. from that but what they're doing is basically killing any of the inelasticity the the, the fact that you simply can't change uh, operator because of the cost they're saying no we'll pay you three fifty dollars we'll pay your your termination fees we'll make it possible for you to swap to us and ev- even if Financially and in a, mar- in a in a market sense, this doesn't turn out to work. I mean, I, I don't see why it wouldn't. But the 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 press and the goodwill yes. it's going to generate is going to be fantastic. It's probably going to be a bigger impact than actually the number of customers they acquire. Yeah, it's got them a lot yeah. of attention, and it's, it's, we're talking about it right now. That's precisely what T-Mobile needs. See, if I was being a cynic, I would say that uh, T-Mobile is the number four operator in the states by quite some way. Yes, and of course they can do these kind of disruption because it's in their interest to do so. And the slightly exactly. wacky CEO is all about getting a bit of publicity, and so it's a very clever bit of well, strategy. And it's not know, really like that. You know that that is ultimately what they've been doing because he got chucked out of the CEO, John Legere. Legere, that's it. Um, he got chucked out of the AT&T party. <laughs> he said, he, said he wanted to watch the band. I mean, he's also yeah, been making some fairly um, if, combative statements about what, spe- uh, what Sprint is and uh, in response to a question about whether there'll yeah, be a merger it, between the two. And he basically was referring to Sprint as Spectrum with no legs. I mean, he was saying that <laughs> people who talk about this kind of consolidation in the States, quite rightly, it's yeah. about making the Spectrum make sense. It's the mm. same reason it happens elsewhere. We might get some of that in the UK, actually. Uh, this year, but it was normal. Uh, in fact, he said uh, it, it's worth worth quoting. He said, "Normally, I meant to draw and say, oh, I don't have anything to say about that.'" But he then started to use some quite coarse language. And Good man. Use spectrum with no legs, and he then just went on to promote the uh, T-Mobile un- uncarrier bit again. But mm. uh, unconventional, but it does at least bring a, a smile. We need a bit of this. You, we do need this. You, yeah. you can't say that happens very often with the press, and honestly. I'm all for it. Just, just, just be slightly cynical when you do. The see presentation it. is interesting. The thing is, he he has at least backed it up with some genuine changes to the offering to the market. It's not yes. just talk or presentation. And yeah. if if nothing else, it's refreshing to see different things. Yes, so, we do because yeah. we often say nasty things about the US operator model, mm. and T-Mobile is genuinely trying to shift it more towards the kind of the European model with kind of less operated dominance. It's clearly in their interest to do so, but they've forced some of the other players into doing kind of options where divorcing a subsidy from the contract. Actually, AT&T went through this a couple of months ago. As it turns out, if you do the calculations, mm. it still turns out to be a total rip-off. But the very fact that AT&T felt the need to respond, I think, probably says that T-Mobile's uncarrier initiative is actually getting somewhere. I feel sorry for the Americans. They pay a lot for what we get for a great deal less here in Europe. Yes. Mm. You and McLeod, keep uh, moving. They do have lots of McDonald's everywhere, though. They do. Uh, massive devices. Massive devices. Yeah, this nonsense between phablet, tablets, phablet. I mean, this is getting a bit crazy now, Blanford. It, it, it is. And again, it's going to be a scene we see at MWC as well. But mm. CES actually saw a few devices out there, some of which just made me want to shake my head. I mean, uh, the Huawei, I think it was the Ascend Mate 2, yep. 6.2-inch screen. Uh, but I think the prize for a big phablet device that is going to look like a total Muppet instead of just a half Muppet is CoolPad. And what's their device model, Ewan? Uh, the Halo 7. Halo 7, which means it's a 7-inch screen. Um, does that stop being a phablet and become oh, something else? It's getting a bit annoying. Well, I, I saw, I, saw a, I forget who it was now, one of the journalists at CES posted something on Twitter that says, I think I found a gap in Samsung's tablet lineup at 10.89 inches. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, literally, though, if you, if you begin to look at these ranges, you've now got a product at ev- almost every different size, haven't yes. you? You've got you know, almost inch by inch, and you might, okay... Samsung probably haven't got one for every inch there yeah. is, but if you cross all the manufacturers, 
that there is no difference between tablets and phablets now from a hardware stance, are they? They're just scaled up devices. Yes. It, it, uh, it, the interesting point will be as a developer, when do you choose to switch over your interface to be different, to, to give a, a big tablet? Yeah, because you need to say, like, after five inches, it's going to be a tablet style. Yeah, I mean, and should you have a UI at sort of the four-inch scale, one for the six-inch scale and one for the seven oh, or ten? It, it's an interesting yeah. question. It does raise a serious point, though, that our phone sizes and the screen size, which is what generates this, are still getting big. And if we look at the flagships that we're expecting to be announced at MWC or around mm. MWC, they're all getting bigger again. And yeah. so we've got the, the Samsung S5, which almost certainly won't be announced at MWC. Samsung prefers to do their own event. They get more attention that way. But all the uh, indicators are that that's going to have a bigger screen. Mm. And we're probably going to see something similar from HTC. And so the standard screen size, which, I mean, this year felt it was around the 4.7 to five inch size i think it's now and we've kind of seen this already with the latest nexus device is creeping up towards mm. five inches becoming the new four and a half inches five inches is the new four and a half inches you heard it here first there we go um, also smaller bezels more of the device uh, screen size i yep. saw some stuff on on twitter recently about um, i think it's a sharp device that has more than 80 percent of the fr- of the, the front of the device is screen now so the way to fit a large screen into a small form factor is to get rid of all the It's it's an interesting one, and Sony are doing something similar with their models. Um, I'm not absolutely convinced by making bezels small because it does have an impact on how well the device is able to uh, survive drops and actually how easy it is to hold in the hand. And, uh, uh, you know, I I tend to think it shouldn't be a big screen at any cost. But at the same time with all this big screen stuff, we've also had some smaller screen stuff. Yeah, that's that's worth Really interesting device is the Sony Z1 Compact. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm a really big fan of the Sony uh, Z or Z, Z. Um, that uh, I've I've got. That's the uh, the waterproof one. Absolute genius. Really well, that, cool. All nearly, nearly all of their range yeah, is resistant, it, isn't it? Amazingly cool. You'll, you do, it's just so good to have it waterproof. And also that um, that that smaller unit, and I forget the terminology now, but it has a different type of screen to some of the ones that were criticised oh, early yeah, on in, in the yeah, in yeah. the Z range because they had pretty poor viewing angles. And yeah. actually, I've got one, and it doesn't bother me particularly. But I, I can see if it was my daily driver, as it were, that mm. would upset me. And this had a, is it an IPS panel? Uh, uh, I believe, yeah, believe that's right. I mean, it's yeah. four point three inches, so small is a relative term. Yeah. We've seen a couple of these devices before. I mean, we've seen the HTC One Mini, and we've seen the Samsung S Four Mini. But what's different about what Sony has done is they basically match the specification aside from the screen. And we've and the commented. Battery. The battery's uh, slightly smaller, but that's the, fine. And the yeah, battery, yeah. which is inevitable when you've got a small device. We've already talked about this desire for kind of a smaller size handset, but yeah. not compromising on spec. So, really pleased to see Sony doing this. I hope it's something that becomes more of a trend in, it itself, in, in, yeah. in 2014. I mean, it's interesting talking to uh, the manufacturers like HTC and also LG. They've said to me, um, People say they like the idea of it, but when it actually comes to it, they end up buying the bigger screen anyway. So, yes, the big question is, will it sell? And I think uh, as the screens go to five inches, there really will be a market for 4.3. That's different to going down to three and a half inches, for example. Who launched, changing subject, who launched or announced a Pentium-class machine? Hmm. I mean, there's a clue in the name there. Well, I'm, I'm imagining Intel are doing something yeah, here. Yeah, so, so tell us about that, Ewan. This is Intel launching their SD card-sized 
computer. Or I saw that. That was cool. Really impressive. Pentium class, they said. And, you know, that, that's, that's significant now. Is that, I, I had a Pentium class device in... You can still buy Pentiums, man. You can still buy Pentiums. Yeah. I suppose on the size of an SD card, that's still pretty impressive. I, yeah. They were talking about using this in M2M, mm. machine-to-machine uh, scenarios. But I wonder if it, there might also be a kind of a, from, from the geek perspective, uh, a kind of a... Uh, well, the Raspberry Pi was yes, sort of inspired yes. a lot of people to, to to build cool things because you could because it was small mm. and affordable now. And I wonder if if these little computers might might be I know to to to, to our generations of kids sort of what you know Technic Lego or Meccano yeah, yeah. or you know the the you know things were previous generations. More of this is better, right? Because yeah. the innovation is going to come on top of that. Will just be excellent. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it's worth saying it's Internet of Things. But when we talk about size of processors and all that. That sounds pretty impressive, but if you look inside the average mobile phone, you'll actually find the chips inside that are pretty small. Mm. What most people don't really appreciate is by far the biggest components are obviously the screen and then the battery. Um, If you pick up your standard phone, probably only the top 10 or 20% of it is actually dedicated to kind of circuit board and process and all the bits that kind of makes it work. Mm. Um, The bigger components are actually things like the micro SD card slot. It's actually one of the biggest things that they put in a phone in terms of having to fit it around everything else. That and the uh, 3.5 millimeter audio jack, those are two of the big items that they, which is why you sometimes get funny positions or them being excluded because they're one of the hardest engineering challenges to fit in, quite apart from any interference issues with the radios. I did not know that. That's a Rafe Blanford factogram. In in a bonus episode. A bonus and a bonus. All right, why were they dual booting? Oh, this is a terrible idea. (laughs) Yes, this is just a (laughs) small... Intel again. Well... So what what were they dual booting to be clear? Dual 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 booting dual booting is only a thing for nerds. It has only ever been a yeah. thing for techies and geeks. And there's nothing wrong with it. And I've used it on machines myself. But the the, the idea that um, devices will be more appealing because they run both Windows and Android, mm. for example, is ludicrous. Um, Android isn't a great operating system to use in a ta- in a laptop form factor. Yeah, and um, a, a heavily compromised uh, PC running Windows will suffer because of the of the resource constraints, and it yeah. won't be a pleasant experience. So, why you would then jam the two together, and particularly because you don't get any of the advantages that Android is. It, Android generally is deployed as a mobile operating system for when you are mobile and yes. for mobile use, usage. Mm. Uh, it, it just it, it seems like it seems like a somebody somewhere is panicking and and. Because got you, headlines. Because you can do it, yeah. doesn't mean you should. I mean, I, I agree absolutely with you on dual booting, but it is worth pointing out the idea that you can run two operating systems on the same chipsets does have merit. I mean, it already happens. But for example, Android and Windows Phone, there's talk of running them on basically identical hardware, and mm-hmm. Microsoft is even talking about maybe reducing the license fee or removing it altogether. It's also in the next version of Windows Phone, reportedly going to remove the requirement for kind of hard keys along the bottom where you get the, yeah. cert, the Windows button and search and back button and just as android has kind of gone buttonless so might windows phone that would mean hardware manufacturers could theoretically use precisely the same hardware it might be an interesting way for microsoft to reduce that kind of requirement and so it's not related to this dual booting exactly but that's a trend i think mwc is a bit early to see that i think it's more going to be towards the end of the year we might see some results from this but it's not a consumer choice and you wouldn't have a dual boot, but there might come a point where you can have pretty much an identical bit of hardware, but one runs one OS and one runs another in the shop. It's an interesting proof point, isn't it? If you can demo me the dual boot, then I believe 
Yeah. No. That they, 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 you've got choices for deployment. Let's move on to Barcelona. To Mobile Congress. Yes. Uh, and do we need to introduce it or are the listeners with us? Biggest mobile trade show, 70,000 people. Huge. Loads of devices announced. Everything in the mobile industry from routers to base stations to apps to services and devices and lots more in between as well cars and And, bits and and pieces and on a scale that you really can't imagine i mean in in something approaching it's eight or nine holes some of them the size of several football pitches in these in these big uh in this big venue in barcelona so absolutely colossal but also organized by the gsma who are the the sort of the the central body in the mobile industry for where that all of the operators certainly belong to and, and and sort of seem to act as this sort of central central point for so much of what happens in mobile so if you're if you're only when you're there and uh, and we're occasionally there oh, I'm, I, I've booked my day I'm only going for a day there we go Blanford I think you're, you're going aren't you I'll be there for and we, yeah, three we were there days. last year I'm still making my plans oh. so okay right so yeah we just want to give a, a kind of a look ahead to MWC some some predictions but also just just some uh, some commentary uh, Blanford I'm doing my have I got news for you bit big players big players well, there's always a, a two two part of the story. Did you think here. that was rubbish? Well, I thought it was great. Carry on. I just saw his face; he's not happy at all. It was my smiling face. That's my happy face. Yeah, that was not a smile. Sorry. There, there's a two part story here, and that some will choose to announce maybe a week ahead of time to kind of yes beat the news stories and to kind of get get the next wave. Yeah. Some will actually announce at the event itself, or on some the Sunday, on the Monday, and announce afterwards. Indeed, it does tend to be the pattern of the last few years, as we've seen kind of the Asian manufacturers do some big announcements and i would expect huawei zte and perhaps a couple of others to do some announcements they'll have a clear runway now right because we've had quite a lot of announcements uh, we had less at ces than i thought maybe we would do i mean Mm. sony did some stuff i suspect they'll have a few more bits and pieces to announce um Nokia, I think, will be announcing stuff at MWC, despite the fact really? that's kind of the time where we can expect the completion of the kind of the Microsoft acquisition of the device and services business. See? Have they told you yet? Um, I haven't been told. No, yes. I don't get told a- ahead of time, but they are due a replacement for their kind of flagship uh, device. So I think we'll see something like the Lumia 930. We've actually just seen Verizon accidentally post about uh, a similar device to their website. It's called the Lumia Icon, kind of five-inch screen, right. Snapdragon 800, kind of a big upgrade. But there's sort of various whispers around some new hardware innovation, possibly around sort of gestures um, above the glass. Not sure how they're mm-hmm. going to work out, so I'll have to wait and see on that one. I tend to reserve all my gestures above the glass for Samsung devices. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's indeed. Well, it doesn't always work. I mean, Nokia had a pretty good track record of doing some interesting things in terms of the kind of the hardware innovation they've done the wireless charging they've done all the camera stuff recently yes. so uh, i think more interesting from them will be what they're doing at the low end because that's where they've sold most of their windows phone devices anything up to about 40 percent of their sales have actually come from the lumia 520 which is their mm. lowest end device so we can probably expect to see a successor for that or for the uh, the 620 and they're going to introduce dual sim devices we haven't seen all that much activity in that space for smartphones mm. it's just been android so that'll be interesting anything tablet wise um I don't know. I mean, they've actually done a much better job of keeping things under wrap than sometimes happens. I suspect near the time we might hear a few bits and pieces. Uh-huh. I think the one maybe to watch out for will be HTC because they had yes. their one handset, which we really liked. And say thank you to our sponsor, O2, for the, for the season six giveaways. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, of the HTC one. And that's coming new. I'm not quite sure what they'll be able to do with that. But HTC really, really needed to work because they've just announced their... 
uh, Q4 results for 2013 provisionally, and they lost more money, and they haven't had really a good year, despite producing what I a thought was you know, a yeah. good hand set. Hand set yeah. But the thing is, they, they only made one. Most of the other ones were pale comparisons, and uh, it, it was it was fairly rapidly um, met with competition yeah. from from other manufacturers. So they, they I really like the HTC Zoe, for example. You know, the, the there was there was thing. there was lots to like, and there are rumours yeah. that there'll be a, a new HTC device out. Be interesting to see what Motorola have on the stand. Motorola were notable Appalling. by the, their pitiful uh, showing in twenty thirteen. It was like an empty stand. It basically. was. They had they had nothing to show. I think it was around the time that the Google acquisition had completed, but right. none of the strategy had changed. So it was just a a wasteland, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, again, um, and we've kind of seen the first two devices from. Motorola under the Google era, kind of the Moto X and the Motorola G. Hello, Moto. They're obviously going to be talked about, but I wonder whether they might surprise us with uh, another announcement, particularly for the European market. There's actually, they're going to be launching a bit more into Europe, having retreated yes. from it previously. They're, they're actually due an announcement that will uh, have already happened by the time this podcast goes out. E- even if they only have two devices, at least they've got two relatively interesting devices to talk about. And yeah. so there should be something, actually, some news, some news from them. And as you said, um, ZT and Huawei always have massive, massive stands. There'll be a massive Samsung stand as well in the middle. Yeah. Um, or there'll be a Samsung hall, basically. Samsung hall, Apple uh, absent as they always are. That's yes, I would imagine so. I mean, Google will be interesting because, you know, they have made a big effort in past years. They're actually a bit lower key um, in the immediate in the last event. Um, but they've got quite a few questions to kind of address about how they're going to deal with their partners you know, mm. going out on their own. And kind of that tension between Samsung and Google is going to be an issue I think we hear more about in 2014. So I wonder whether some of that will come out at MWC. I mean, we've been concentrating just on devices here, but I think some of the themes we talked about from CES, like wearables, yeah. and also we'll probably see more automotive stuff that started coming in last year at MWC and be mm. a big, bigger thing this year. Well, let's talk about automotive, you. Yes, yes. Well, do you know, just before we do that, can I ask a question? Go on it. Uh, I've seen quite a lot of tweets about this. Uh, Blanford and Smith, the S5, the Samsung S5, what's the deal on that? Well, it's going to be large, plastic, and disappointing. Um, <laughs> it'll have terrible software on it, and uh, you'll, you'll regret the purchase. No right, thank, right, thanks. That's, that's, uh, excellent. Okay, right. So the, the Open Auto Alliance. Well, joking aside, it will be a very important device for Samsung. The S4 hasn't really performed, and as Rafe says, they probably won't announce the S5 in, in Barcelona. So I... I mean, because they, they, they want to have all their sunshine. They have a ton yeah, a month of, later on. I mean, yeah. they've got a ton of devices and software and accessories yeah, and yeah. things to talk about. And uh, they they made a big play about uh, Samsung Knox last year, the enterprise yeah. security thing, which I imagine they'll be pushing some more this time around. But it, it would it, it is often odd on a Samsung stand that you know you're, you're not seeing the big flagship devices new. On, on their stand. Yes. Uh, that's right. I mean, actually, the, the problem you often have is navigating the Samsung stand and telling one device apart from another. And it, 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 you, you can't tell if that tablet is smaller or just slightly further away. It, exactly. <laughs> and it, it's kind of... They've had a great deal of success. No one denies that no. you know, they're the leading smartphone manufacturer in numbers termed and they're doing great in tablets as well. But a lot of that has come through throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And it, it, it's a little well, unfair to that say that. they're doing it, actually. I mean, but, to be, to, the, the note... Yeah, like the huge fablet, the original fablet. Fablet was all about Samsung, and you, yeah. you have to give them a certain amount of credit for that. And uh, I mean, the S4 does feel like it benefited from kind of the 
the plaudits that the S3 got, and it was a bit disappointing. So I wonder whether the S5 will you know, receive a bit of a backlash if it doesn't you know, quite get there. I mean, there's talk about doing things like Irish recognition to kind of play off against the Sam, th- uh, the, the iTouch, you know, the mm-hmm. fingerprint recognition. It remains to be seen, but you can you know, guarantee that it will still be this kind of scattergun or you know, multiple points, trying to get one thing that, that works. Wait, wait and see. Ultimately, I think they'll probably still use loads of money in advertising and marketing to ensure they get their message out and get it onto shelves and it will sell because of that but um it's not a strategy that can i feel is particularly sustainable so yeah we'll be well we've got to wait for samsung to take out the earl's court in london to do the launch again Yes, yes, and the, the, all the people dancing around. Samsung launch is always slightly odd, but their stand is is, is normally clear and, and fairly easy to find. No popcorn, though, so no popcorn this yeah. year. Uh, look, yeah, let's come on to the open on the Auto Alliance. Talk about that. That's getting quite interesting. Well, so last year, a big feature of the GSMA stand was their connected cities yeah. presentation, and they've mocked up this imaginary city, and they had a town hall and a school and all the other places that they thought that mobile was going to influence. But the one that excited me most was that they had connected cars Mm. and they were really pushing this as one of their big themes. They had a a Volvo, uh, I forget which model now, but they had a Volvo which was all um, connected up with hotspots and and connectivity and telemetry and all this sort of stuff. Um, And Rafe, there's two, broadly there's two, platforms emerging aren't there with the the various automotive manufacturers sort of signing up yeah it, it does feel a, a bit like that i mean we've just had the open android automotive yeah, alliance i can't quite remember the terminology correctly but it's uh honda uh hyundai gm mm. and a, a couple of others have signed up with this and this is effectively google saying we'll use an android based solution to do in-car stuff it's actually just as much about the Google vocation platform, I suspect. Yeah. But the details on it are quite thin on the ground. It's something that was announced at CS, so we may hear more about that. Then on the other side, you've got uh, Nokia, or more specifically here, which is the location. Re- the um, real Nokia. The real Nokia. And by the time this podcast goes out, it really might be the real Nokia. Uh, that's, again, mapping. They have a slightly different approach in that... Um, they provide various different layers and they describe it as reaching from data to the cloud. What they mean by that is you can get just the data and use that and then use it however you like. Or you can get some APIs on top of that which are for routing and for traffic. Or you can have something else on top of that which is maybe some search tools and right up to having the full application delivered to you and car manufacturers and pick out what they want. That to me feels like something that fits quite well into the automotive industry and it does reflect that um, here is at the moment at least, the leading partner. I think it's something like 90% of cars use Nokia maps or Here maps within their systems as is. But of course, there is this generation coming about where do connected cars go next? Where is the connected, where's the brains of it? Yeah. I mean, Google obviously has good consumer reach and there's a immediate appeal. I can run my Android apps and get my Android content on my car. But I tend to feel that there's a bit of a mismatch between the product lifecycle of Android, as we've seen in mobile, and cars, which operate on maybe a 10-year timescale for the typical car model. And even if you're talking about over-the-air updates, that's that's a different issue. And so we've kind of seen a bit of this with Apple, who've talked about their in-car systems. And they've announced some partnerships with BMW, Mercedes-Benz, and a couple of others. But very little's come of it, simply because it takes so long to do this. And so 
buying the components in for location mapping, which, of course, is at the heart of a lot of this. Um, and it's not just one way. It's not just maps. It's sending data back up into the location cloud. So you'll start getting information about breaking zones and traffic in real time. So it's a, quite a complex issue. We'll have to see, but I, I do expect it to, again, be a big theme at MWC. It'll be interesting to see uh, where, where the um, how they address that sort of obsolescence issue, because... Mm. If you imagine picking up a five-year-old mobile phone now, it's going to feel, whatever your preference for platform now, it's going to feel very old and yeah, tired. Really and yet owning a five-year-old car actually isn't, you, you might not think that a five-year-old car was particularly out of date. Yeah. And yet if you can imagine that, like you say, the mapping and the connectivity oh, you, services if, you know, might if, not work. If we're turning back five years, we're getting to the original iPhone. If we're turning back to the seven years, which, you know, within the kind of frame, we're talking about the Nokia N95 yeah. um, kind of class. Oh. So... It is an issue. And we still haven't seen what, what Apple's going to do, although I wonder if their approach is about keeping more of the smarts on the device is, is, a, is a better short-term approach. Um, interestingly, uh, Audi announced as part of all these numbers that 30% of the cost of a vehicle nowadays is the electronics inside it. So, I mean, that's, that's wow. quite startling when you yeah. think about what the purpose of a car is. Um, but also it shows when you want to give customers better value which bit do you need to? Which bit do you have the most leeway mm. to spend money on? So you know, in-car services is very much the way forward. And although it's a, a bit pie in the sky, we do start to have conversations about self-driving cars, and lots of the technology that this is going to be in cars anyway is actually what is needed to do these autonomous vehicles. I think it's a bit further away than people like to imagine. It's sort of the idea that you'll be able to just tell your car where you want to go and get it. It's not quite there yet, but. The decisions that are being made now about what kind of platforms and what location, what elements go into it will probably have quite a significant impact on how that, you know, driverless cars mm. works in the future. So I'm quite excited that mobile, I've always said to our customers, particularly when I've been advising them, mobile means mobile user, not mobile device. Mm. And it would be really exciting to see the fact that the devices start to be everything from a car to a phone to a watch yeah. and, and other yeah. devices. So you begin to get the idea that actually it's the, mo it's the mobile experience around the user yeah. and, and to see, because that could really shake up the industry because you could start to see things from the automotive world applied into other yeah. sectors as well. Because yeah. uh, automotive understand really well about the fact that the driver might have other priorities. Uh, yeah. And make no mistake, I mean, automotive stuff will happen quite quickly in part because there's actually EU regulations about requiring connectivity in new build cars. And so you'll find that a lot of cars will come with a kind of a SIM card or a data connection built in. And once you have that as a requirement, that then does open up a lot of the kind of diagnostics and all the other bits and pieces that mm. go along with that. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be, that'll be quite good. All right, look, let's move on to Qualcomm and their 4K streaming yeah, I find it hard to get excited about chip manufacturers because so many other things need to happen for it yeah. to become useful to me. But 4K, 4K streaming example, which was shown at CES, and I think the, the now Rafe, correct me, the Snapdragon 805. 805. So this is their real flagship chip. Yeah. You think, well, why would I care about chips? It's now enabling stuff that exceeds what people have in their in their living room or, or in their can desktop. can go and buy at the minute. Exactly. So we're talking about um, a chip which enables you to do 4K streaming. That's that's high. That's ultra high definition t uh, TV quality. I mean, in one respect, I wonder why you would want to stream 4K down to a mobile device. But we were talking about this earlier, and Rafe makes the point that actually you might not be interested in viewing 4K on the device, but you might be interested in capturing and sharing yes. that quality of data yes. off the device. So. Um, 
you know, chips making a huge impact and, you know, the, the pretty miraculous what a, what a Snapdragon processor now and presumably all the others. Will, it really does show you how fast things are. So last year at CES, it was 4K TVs and, and they might happen at some point and you can kind of get them now-ish if you're very careful. But, you know, that 805 chip, theoretically speaking, that'll be in, in, in the high street or on the high street in, what, six months? Right, yeah, are we going to see 805-powered devices at Mobile World Congress? No, not, probably not. not. It's, sure it's, it's the second half of the year for yeah, the 805. That's, that's really impressive. Uh, the 800 itself is pretty capable. And one of the interesting elements here is, of course, it's about raw processing power, but it's when we talk about something like the 805 or the 800 or the 400, it's worth remembering it's not just a processor. It's a system on a chip. You'll refer yes. to them as SOCs. So there are lots of other bits in them. And that can be everything from yeah. the GPS to the Bluetooth modem. But there's also bits coming in that have implications for charging. So, for example, Qualcomm last year at MWC announced Quick Charge mm. uh, version 2. It's actually Quick Charge version 1 in a lot of existing devices. And that's the technology that allows a battery to charge up faster for the first 50%. Uh, and that's all about, you know, plugging in the morning for 30 minutes and getting as much charge as you can. Quick Charge 2 kind of takes that to the next level, and it does actually need a certain amount of smart, both in the charging circuitry and the charger. The Lumia 2520 that I have sitting in front of me is one of the first devices to take advantage of that. It's in the Snapdragon 800, and we're going to see a lot of devices with that technology kind of built in, including mobile phones. And that's something that I find interesting because it will have a real impact on the way you use your device. If you can get something charged up, even if it's to 60 50%, that much quicker it's a good thing and there are plenty of other examples of that the motion chip that's in the snapdragon 800 which will switch off the main processor and can um, address the accelerometer and other sensors in kind of a low powered mode so it allows your the snapdragon 800 to effectively be a fitbit within the phone yeah. it's like apple's motion chip i expect that to be uh, kind of something we see more of more intelligence in that soc and then being taken advantage of in the phone and so a lot of the underlying cool innovation has actually already been talked about it just hasn't made it into devices because you're right new processors aren't that interesting they only become interesting when what they enable arrives which yeah. generally happens a year after they're announced okay right that'll do us is that us no that so is. i think we should just quickly talk about the things that we haven't talked about Ooh. haven't talked about operators at all all the operators are at uh. mwc but that's very interesting, actually. They, and I know they have a bunch of meetings, but I've rarely seen anything particularly exciting from an operator in the past. Um, the, uh, they always do keynotes, chat about things. They do the keynotes, and probably their subscription money to the GSMA, at least in part, enables the event to happen, yeah, uh, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But we don't talk about that. The, the only interesting thing I've ever seen from operators was kind of clever emergency networks that could be built in disaster zones and things yeah, that they sometimes yeah. bring... Um, but in notable that we haven't talked about them. Also notable that we haven't talked about apps. We haven't talked about apps. I mean, there is a big developer presence always at MWC, mm. but um, trying to get a bit of attention for your app at MWC is virtually yeah. impossible. It just tends to be the big guys. I mean, last year, for example, we had Firefox OS launching, and we'll probably hear yeah. more from them this year. And also Yola, which is another one of the kind of Challenger. Challenges in yeah. the smartphone space. And you're right, we, we don't hear much from operators. It is worth saying, though, that at MWC, there are loads of meetings taking place kind of behind the scenes, which you never hear about in public. And so operators will be deciding what phones are they going to buy from the manufacturers. Um, and a good example of that is actually the very first meeting in the Microsoft Nokia kind of purchase process yes. actually happened at uh, MWC. There you go. 
So uh, lots of lo- lots of interesting lots of interesting topics, but actually for us the the exciting stuff always dominated by the the handset hardware. But there's meetings within meetings, and whole halls given over to um, the the guys who provide rooms. the infrastructure and all the yeah. security and, and the, the, sapphire glass, all the bits mm. yeah that happen behind the scenes. Um, just one last thing from me, I think it's always interesting to see what. Um, what, what the, the data providers are doing. So there's always a huge selection of, of kind of modems and MiFi's and yes. dongles and all those kinds of things. Interesting to see where they go. Last year, there was a ton of stuff that was intended to be fitted in vehicles, which is obviously going to enable this year's connected cars. And, um, I, well, uh, there was, a there was a, a, I think a ZTE showed off a MiFi with a projector built in this yeah. year at CES. So I'm personally looking forward to the wackiest MiFi launched at Mobile World Congress because <laughs> it's a nice, simple device that lots of the smaller manufacturers are able to make so you see some really wacky combinations i'm also looking to see what phones and devices are in use by the attendees i always find that interesting it's always fascinating to see that the some some of the the biggest players in mobile are carrying around five-year-old devices they i'm always amazed when you meet these execs from from not not from mobile operators sorry not from mobile manufacturers because they use their own devices generally but um from from the from the operators who are sort of still carrying around a, six, a Nokia sixty one ten or a, a, a you know five compatible with my car. All oh, right, great, yeah. BlackBerry Bold is always a favourite. BlackBerry Bold. Well, but that, that that takes us back to the enterprise question for BlackBerry, right? The fact that you know these big companies still won't shift from from BlackBerry. That's always fascinating. Mm. Right. Well, thank you very much for your time, guys. Well, lots of love. Always a pleasure. I think we obviously we'll we'll meet. We're not we we are not all going to be at Mobile World Congress this year for the whole thing, which is a shame. <laughs> I don't. I don't. No, we're just letting Blanford do it. I know, but we, we, we're, we're sitting, after having to travel on that bus, <laughs> so you um, refuse to go back because of the bus. Well, this this year I'm, I'm flying in for a day. Basically. This year, unfortunately, the day jobs are getting in the way. But we yeah. will we will try and produce at least one thing from the show floor yes. whether it has all of us or not but something will be produced even if it's Rafe Blanford talking Probably for half an hour which isn't difficult talking just directly into his into his tablet uh, yeah. we'll produce something from the show floor and then uh, season 7 will kick off after Mobile Congress and we will um, well we'll, we'll so actually, I think we're going to kick off Season 7 just before Mobile Congress oh, that'd be and cool. uh, yes. we'll be talking about it in Season 7 very much indeed as ever, thank you very much for listening. Comments, complaints, all our, all our contact details. Requests for singing. Are at 361podcast.com. On Twitter, we are at 361podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening, and we will be back jolly, jolly soon. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can comment, subscribe, and catch up with previous episodes at 361podcast.com. If you're an iTunes user, we'd be jolly grateful for a five-star review. There's a link and pictures of how to rate the show at 361podcast.com slash rate. Each review makes it lots easier for new listeners to find us. 